Hey y'all, just to make sure that you get it as soon as possible, I'm going to put up this really great interview I had with Kyle D. Garrett. He's also known as Creepy Kile when narrating on YouTube and elsewhere. Uh, he and I share a lot of things in common. New burgeoning uh, horror authors who do some narration, like to do voices, similar, uh, similar in a lot of ways. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So here is that extensive interview. And I do apologize for any background noise. Kind of hard to filter that stuff out without uh, chopping into and breaking up the audio into something that's kind of unlistenable. So enjoy. This is Kyle and myself, Torsen Kipton, on the Be Afraid podcast. Just This is Torsen Kipton. I'm in a restaurant, so enjoy this delicious uh, audio. I'm sitting down across from uh, my friend Kyle, another new and aspiring horror author. Kyle, why don't you say hey? Hey everyone, thanks for having me Torsten, glad to be on your podcast, I've been listening, so this is uh, definitely a new experience for me, to have not been on a podcast before, so thanks for having me. Totally, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, we're just kind of keep a casual share of the journey, uh, but I was just, we were just talking, and I, I was, I cut him off to say, keep talking, I, I want to hear more of this story, uh, it's all about stories, and he was just telling me about a, uh, a fantasy series that, how did you, how did your wife describe that? She, she described it as my life's work, and then, I, now, keep in mind, this was probably a good, I don't know, 10 years ago when we weren't even engaged yet. We've been just recently married nine years. So yeah, she referred to that as my life's work a decade ago. So just keep that in mind. Re recently married nine years ago is kind of an oxymoron for some people. That's funny. It's kind of, you know, wordplay. That's the way the authors uh, live. <laughs> so uh, Kyle, you more recently discovered uh, or rekindled your relationship with the darkness. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> oh gosh, you make it sound like I sold my soul or something. Um, let me see if I, yeah, uh, make it easier on you. But um, yeah, I know for the last, I would say about a year, year and a half, I re-embraced, re rediscovered my, uh, my love of horror because I have loved horror ever since I was a kid, which is somewhat ironic because I had constant nightmares when I was a kid and I was terrified of the dark when I was a kid and I suffered from sleep paralysis when I was a kid so uh, well sleep paralysis and it's different for a lot of different people because some people refer to them as night terrors but I think night terrors are something a little different sleep paralysis is where you will and you could be, it feels like you're dreaming or you could be fully awake, where you find yourself in a state where you cannot move and you can also occasionally, which I did, suffer from auditory and visual hallucinations, which I know sounds scary as all heck and it is scary, especially when you are a young child and you, you don't know if you're having a nightmare, thank you, um, or, we just got served food, so this is going to become, the level of difficulty is going to increase here uh, because I want to keep talking, but I also want to eat food. Salivation. Yes, exactly. I'm salivating. So, um, but 
Yeah, so, but the thing was, when I was a younger child, went like, I was born in 84, so some of my earliest memories I can recall because every weekend we went straight to the video store. And it was during the 80s, which I'm sure you know all too well, when Hollywood was so freaking saturated with horror films, like every single day, every single second it seemed like a new horror flick came out, and most of them were bad, terrible, absolutely horrible. They were cheesy, they were stupid, but they were so much fun to watch. And I saw the posters everywhere. They were plastered all over the video store, and they freaked me out. And yet I was still curious, I couldn't help it. I was just drawn to all of it and that just, it, it served as nightmare fuel, but also like I was, I, I couldn't help but be curious about it and, and all that stuff. So that's kind of where my start was. That's awesome. So what, what started as nightmare fuel is now creative fuel. Uh, and now we're going to intake some fuel and uh, Leave you guys salivating and appetized for more. We'll be back after we've said grace and consumed the calories. This may surprise no one, but after getting wings, I, I suggested, I pulled an audible and we went to a coffee shop. It's called Clatch. It is delicious. Uh, everything is good at Clatch. I've never had anything but good conversation here. So, uh, well, I've had good coffee and good conversation. So that's what we're here for. And the conversation continues. When we last left off, we were talking about sleep paralysis, nightmares, nightmare fuel, and how that is refined into creative fuel for horror writers. Uh, I must confess that I, too, had not sleep paralysis, but some very vivid and extreme nightmares and imagination as a child. Uh, fear of the dark beyond reason um well i guess all fear of the dark is beyond reason isn't it what i mean to say is my very going to philosophical discussion here. <laughs> my, my very active boy imagination was uh, a torture device that i lived within uh so we're also talking about the origins of us just getting into writing what was for you kyle uh, what was the the earliest uh starts of your writing uh, we're gonna go into embarrassing territory here um, the first my first real attempt at writing was when I was in I think I was in first grade just because I had a love of reading and a love of storytelling and just I like you I, just as you described you know I had very vivid imagination um, the first stories I ever wrote were about my stuffed animals and the adventures they had and most of them didn't make sense um, I just kind of wrote whatever I thought would be a cool situation to be in playing having fun and yeah as if I recall it was a, a stegosaurus I named Jeffrey and a couple other ones in there that don't bear mentioning that's funny i'll i'll uh collude with you in this uh being embarrassed thing my first story that i really got into that wasn't just like a one-page journal assigned in school was from a writing prompt they said 
the boy with the blue face. And I said, oh, boy with the blue face, uh, that has to have to do with superpowers. So his superpowers have to be related to his blue face. Of course. And so I turned that into, in second grade, a 20-page handwritten uh, on a college rule paper little story. Uh, way too much, way too little checking on the spelling. I, spe- I spelled the word red the two ways that you can spell that word, both of them meaning the color, but spelled as if the past tense of read and the regular color red. I might have thrown a third one in just because I like to throw the letter E on things because that makes that makes the vowels say their own name. That's what I was told. Hooked on phonics, you betrayed me. <laughs> it doesn't work for everybody. They lie. Well, yeah. Uh, we're, we were hooked on phonics and we got hooked on it too bad and we became writers oops that's a yeah you know oops i guess you could say it was an oops i uh because i've written my entire life and but there was a number of years where i wanted to be a rock star which i think a lot of us did in some way or another but I actually wanted to be in a band, I play guitar, I sang, I still do those things, just I'm very lax now. And I just pursued music for a while, and it wasn't until a little over 10 years ago that I started writing again, and my wife was the one who really encouraged me. She was kind of that final voice, because everybody was telling me, you should, you should write, you should you know, do this with writing, and, you know, you should, et cetera, et cetera, because you know, I, apparently I made an impression on my English teachers in high school. And, you know, that's a good thing. But I never really pursued it until my wife said, you really should do this. And been more or less been doing it ever since to varying degrees of success. And by that, I mean a lot of procrastination and a lot of started projects that didn't quite get finished. That's really cool. All right. So in the next segment, uh, we're going to continue this conversation and uh, be more about beginnings, middles and ends. That's how stories run. So we just talked about beginnings. Uh, let's take a second to talk about the present, the only place that we live. It is a gift. The present. What are you working on right now, uh, Kyle D. Garrett? <laughs> Thank you, Torsten Kipton. Um, today, actually, uh, today, this morning, I, I submitted a, um, a rewrite of a story that I am submitting for a horror anthology due out in February. A uh, friend of mine who, uh, basically, I was, and I was telling Torsen about this earlier, other than himself, and, th- and today, which I don't think this got mentioned yet, today is our first official uh, in-person meeting. We have been, um, we've been corresponding for the last year over Facebook and various other platforms, um, reading each other's work and encouraging one another in our writing and, and things like that. But first official meeting today. But other than Torson, all my other writing friends seem to live in Texas, and that's where this um, this anthology is being produced from by a good friend of mine, uh, becoming a good friend of mine. Her name is Melissa Allgood, very talented author. She does horror as well, and this is an anthology of villainous confessions. Every story is from the perspective of the villain. Maybe not necessarily in the first person, but. It's always from the villain's perspective, and I took that in the literal sense. And my story is actually called uh, Memoir of a Madman. And uh, Torsen read it once, and 
his criticisms kind of helped me realize I needed to approach it from a different angle. So there's that. And as far as other projects, they all seem stuck in my head currently. I have a handful of story ideas that I really just need to get on paper. So, Which is why we're collaborating not only for, uh, you know, ideas and like, the potential, you know, who knows, we could uh, work together a cooperative project or something, but we're also just accountability partners. For me, accountability, having someone to report to regularly and say, here, here's what I wrote. It's proof that I at least wrote something and hopefully something on topic and of any caliber uh, is, is huge. It's, it's when you're self-driven, there's, there's no one to report to you. You could go for years without putting a word on page and no one would know. It's failing in the dark. It's failing uh, alone or, you know, out of, out of sight. So that is, that's the power of working together with other authors. And as you heard, we, we kind of did it online before uh, we even met. We're encouraging each other to write, but now we're going to make it a, you know, a regular thing on a schedule because... Repetition on a schedule is what get things done. It's consistency, right? Exactly. And that's why I also haven't worked out for three months. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up on uh, three weeks of uh, zero real exercise myself. Uh, starting Only starting to atrophy. The way that my atrophy works with muscle and with writing uh, skills is that the volume does not decrease first, just the potency and ability to do anything with it. So I could write a lot of words, not get a lot done, or I could maintain a lot of muscle and not have any useful muscle. It'd be uh, uh, very weak, which is, which is weird because on the outside, it can look like you're still doing something. Um, so yeah, as, as we sit here, we share a lot of things in common. We like coffee. We like it black. We like fiction. We like it dark. Uh, we, I, let, let's talk about influences on our current work for a quick sec. Um, well, we, we, we have about a minute left. So why don't we say that for the next segment, we'll start talking about influences, uh, in addition to, uh, current projects on my podcast, they kind of know I've been yammering on about my current projects. So we'll talk about yours and your influences and we'll be right back with you. So I wanted to talk to you about influences and what you're working on right now. Do you consciously consider the influences on your current piece? Well, I'm going to go the route of many a horror writer and cite an influence that just, I, and, and people know where I'm going to go. I can see in the look into your face that you know who I'm going to talk about. Obviously Stephen King, which we were going to go see Stephen King's It tonight, but the theater that I had picked, that I grew up going to, found out that they weren't playing it anymore. Earlier this week they were. Apparently it was good enough earlier this week, but not later. So I was kind of bummed about that, but we get to do this. So it's a nice it's a nice turnover where I don't we don't have to be bummed we missed the movie. So obviously Stephen King, any horror writer worth their salt will cite at least to some degree that Stephen King was an influence. Um, I only really started reading his work in the last, I would say, two or three years. One of my favorite books of his is a book called Desperation. And I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't, you need to. And basically your typical, we're trapped in a 
we're trapped in a small place by an evil force and we have to figure out how to survive. Kind of a la Evil Dead, but not. And um, it's a really fun, very long read, but it keeps you pretty gripped. And I guess, and obviously there are other influences that I have, and I'll name a couple in just a second um, without being too long-winded, but what I'm... What I love about Stephen King, and I've always appreciated, is his sheer insanity. And that insanity turns into a story that no matter how outlandish or, dare I say, stupid it is. Because there are some of his stories that are so stupid they're good. Not like he writes, with a, he writes poorly. He never does. But they're just like, you're reading it and you're like, what? What the hell is this? Well, how do how you come up with something like that? And therein lies the brilliance. And I've always appreciated that. And I, it kind of gives you permission to come up with whatever bizarre crap you're thinking and just run with it. So I'm going to bounce off of what you just said and then back to something you said earlier on, which is that uh, I, I too, take some influence from Stephen King. For me, the fav my favorite part about him is how specific his world details are, and he's, he's citing popular culture, he's making references to this person looks like that celebrity, or sounds like this song, or this person looks like they would wear that kind of clothing. That specificity is so engaging and authentic to me that even though I don't get some of the references, the the lengths that he goes to 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 be that specific and in the know of of his character's mind and mannerisms, I'm fully immersed. So uh, that's what I like about Stephen King. And I remember earlier before we uh, cracked open a cold podcast one. Um, you were talking about 80s horror movies, which is kind of alluding to that that manic insanity that you talked about uh, Stephen King having. So does the 80s horror movie uh, that you used to savor as a child, does that play into uh, what you write now? Um, it does sometimes. I would say that, like... The majority of the the things that I watched were slasher flicks, and um, those come in all shapes and sizes, and aside from the classics, it's just a lot of excuses to make a movie, really. That's what it is, because the template's there, it works, you can do it on a budget, you don't have to have millions of dollars to make a, a, a fun slasher flick. Um, but yeah, some of the more outlandish ones that were there kind of have an influence here and there just because of their, I don't know what you want to call it, but it was just, bombastic, bombastic is a good word. I would say that is a good way to just describe it. One of the funniest ones that I think, and I actually watched it not that long ago, at least half of it, was a movie, and this was Robert England's directorial debut, Freddy Krueger. Are we running out of time? Cut me off there. Uh, but yeah, it was Robert England, otherwise known as Freddy Krueger, his directorial debut, and it was a movie called 976 Evil. And it was about this nerdy kid who was bullied, so he decides to take revenge on all of his bullies 
by dialing a satanic phone number that gives him the power to do all this crazy crap. How many sixes? How many sixes? In that phone number. Uh, there's only the one, 976-EVIL. But the 976 is a really poor taste allusion to some of those numbers you could call and talk to people about inappropriate things. But we're not going to go there. Don't ask me how I know that. But um, yeah, as he uses the phone number, he becomes more corrupted and becomes possessed and demonic. And it was just such a weird concept. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I do like weird movies. Weird movies and film in general is a lot of what inspired King. He talks about that in his book On Writing, which most writers have devoured eagerly. I have. I, I mean, definitely have. Who doesn't want to read the top seller's book that's just called On Writing? Genius title. Couldn't have kept it simpler or more appealing. On, on Writing by Stephen King. I recommend it. It's fun even if you don't write yourself. Hopefully, like this podcast. Uh, so, as far as my, my influences, if I can just drop my two pennies in on that one, I really like Harlan Ellison. He's a little bit of an uh, bygone era type author. He's still kicking the round, but his, his peak was uh, more in uh, Stephen King's infant years. So, uh, he writes from an older perspective, much less modern and in touch with what's going on today. But his work has a certain... Because his work is, you would, you would say, it's projecting into the future. It's speculative, sci-fi, horror. So in a lot of ways, it's more modern even than King's. It can hold up longer because it speculates about a lot of the things of, of human nature, a lot of the aspects of human nature just exaggerated and put under a, a uh, distorting, horrifying, magnifying lens. Uh, and that that uh, definitely is proven to hold its weight today. Um, so do you, do you purposely look to uh, infuse your story with elements from another author right now where you could sell your book saying something like... Uh, you know, in the vein of this author or inspired by this kind of story? Or are, are you trying to kind of uh, go from, just listen to your heart and go from uh, what you hear there? It's more of the latter, just because I get a lot of my um, inspiration right now from uh, this podcast that I listen to, interestingly enough, called the No Sleep Podcast. You can, it's on... Uh, iTunes, it's on, um, and I'm spacing right now. Another, but it's it's everywhere. But and a lot of the stories come from a Reddit forum, which I've read a number of them. And you know, you don't have to be a brilliant writer to be able to write a good story for this podcast. And a lot of the stories I've heard on there, pretty good stories. I mean, good short stories, easily devoured. They leave you kind of chilled a little bit they leave you shaken up and that's exactly what they say they want to do shake you up and disturb you which is kind of fun in its own right and uh, I'm actually hoping to try and submit some work to that podcast and see if I can get it narrated which I think that's something we're going to touch on here in just a little bit possibly yeah uh, as a matter of fact you and I are both narrators of a sort you've got more published narration probably unless I 
I count the uh, pieces that I put here on Anchor, which... It still counts. It still counts. Well, uh, that's very gracious of you. <laughs> in, in any case, uh, yeah, we're, we're both narrators. We're going to crack open that egg in the next segment. Still at Clatch, still having the conversation, now outside with less room noise. You're welcome, ears of everyone listening. We were just talking about narration. Uh, production quality is not the first priority, but it's got to be in there, right? So uh, why don't you tell me about your the blossoming of your interest in narration? Uh, simple enough. I just uh, I stumbled onto it on YouTube, uh, watching... This top 10 video, interestingly enough, on the subject of the dark web, again, I don't know how I got to that, but there it was, and I watched it, it was interesting. Suggested videos uh, was like something along the lines of three or four true, scary, you know, dark web stories, which the true part seems debatable when you listen to them, but at the same time, I listened to it. Uh, the narrator was, uh, he, his handle's Lazy Masquerade on YouTube. Definitely check him out. Uh, narrator from, I believe, from London. Very talented guy. And I was hooked. I just started, I, I binged on his videos and other narrators too. And I just, you know, f found my favorites rather quickly. And as I listened longer and longer, I kind of just realized, you know what? This seems like a whole heck of a lot of fun, and I want to do this. And it took me a while, and it wasn't until earlier this year that I actually took my first stab at it. And it went over pretty well. I, I don't really have much of a following right now, but it's something I'm breaking into, and I've actually worked with other narrators on YouTube, and that has been just a blast of an experience. Yeah, as a matter as a matter of fact, you narrated a couple of my stories. That was Backseat Driver and its successor, Are You Dead Yet? Uh, you did them both in a row. You did an excellent job with uh, minimal equipment. It's just very cool. It is skill over production value, uh, especially when you're talking about creating free content. There's a special joy in churning it out fast and without worrying about uh, every little nuance. Um, as far as my break into uh, narration, if I could even say that I did, it was when my friend Eric of Audiobook Review fame introduced me to his Audible library, which at that time was hundreds of books wide. Uh, famous narrators like Tim Gerard Reynolds uh, really hit the nail and enhanced things for me. Every story, every character comes to life. The cast has voices that you can remember in your head and, and uh, mimic with your friends for hours and weeks and years uh, without forgetting them. So that really, that really added up to it for me. Uh, audiobooks are awesome. Audible, not yet a sponsor, but hey, Audible. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, doors wide open. Um, so, what are you what are you doing with your narration right now? Um, right now, I'm I'm working with a, a handful of independent writers, such as yourself, and even plan on narrating some of my own stories. You know, for my own, you know little uh, selfish agenda there to promote my own work because my narrator handle on YouTube is different from my actual name. It's uh, actually Creepy Kile and there's a whole story behind the latter half of that name that I could tell at another time. Basically the only nickname that I've ever been given that I actually liked. So Kile is the nickname I was given. Again, whole other story. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I you know I narrated Torson's work. I've narrated like two other indie artists again from Texas because apparently I know a bunch of people from there, and uh, I plan to continue doing that. I've got other stories that I'm working on. I just need to re record the damn things. I've I've got aspirations, but maybe not the immediate drive to narrate my whole first novel. It's over a hundred thousand words, so it will take a little bit. Uh, narrating it professionally enough to put it on Audible, as a matter of fact, will take quite a while. Not only do they have strict quality controls on Audible, uh, w once again, would love the sponsorship, uh, but also, <laughs> also I want to do something that represents my brand well. I've heard a uh, book or two on there that were voiced in a way that made my stomach clench with the stress and strain of that person's voice. And the audacity they had to promote their, if I can be so salty, to promote their brand by sharing uh, tidbits from that kind of a performance, uh, one that made me feel physically accosted or ill, um, I, I never want to force that on anyone's ears. No. We're back. We're talking about narration, narration skill, doing voices, doing accents, and otherwise. So... I wanted to issue a little challenge to my, fri my friend uh, Kyle D. Garrett uh, slash Creepy Kile when he's narrating. Uh, this is more improv than true narration, which is just to read something that's already on the page. So, but, uh, you know, improv and keeping it entertaining, that's part of what being a voice on the internet is about. So I'm going to throw some, uh, some characters and some descriptions of characters your way. Uh, we'll probably get progressively more ridiculous, uh, <laughs> and and uh, let's see if you can keep up. What do you think about that? Sounds good, but to be honest, and and, and we talked about this just before, I'm I'm actually kind of nervous now. But go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I hope that that's what the crowd is saying after this one. Okay, so th th this could be a lot of fun. Why don't we start with a uh, female character because doing female characters. Uh, is is a, is a good challenge for narrators. Somebody actually asked me to do Catherine Hepburn the other day, and I, I, I attempted it, but I don't know how, if it was that good. <laughs> attempted Catherine Hepburn. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, yeah. Let, let's hear uh, your go at that one as a starting point. Oh, I set myself up for that one, didn't I? Uh, well, I don't know if I can get her pitch, but I can do just just the kind of. Mid-Atlantic accent, not quite the high pitch that she has. I sound more of a Southern Belle. That actually—that's terrible. That, moving on, dude, pick someone else. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, shift back and forth here. Uh, a male character who's Russian, but not a large Russian mobster, talking like a small, stringy, uh, nerdy scientist type Russian. That's incredibly specific. Well, the, the Russian accent is actually very easy. And it helps that my wife's aunt is Russian, so it's not very hard to do this sort of accent. See, I'm more typical Russian. I don't know if I could do scientist Russian, because that's, yeah, that's just a little bit too... I, I, I can't grab that at the, thing, at the moment, but there's Russian for you. It's kind of measured, calculated, uh, not overly shouty or aggressive. It, it works well enough, uh, just off the top of your head here. Let's switch to a female... French character. Uh, let's let's hear the female French model. 
<laughs> oh, jeez. I almost swore there, so I apologize ahead of time if something slips out. <laughs> um, okay. Um, the French accent's very easy, but the... So you're thinking, like, snooty female French model? Okay, you're getting too specific with this. <laughs> I'm trying to reach for it, but it's not happening. My typical French accent is, oh, you Americans, you are so sad. You don't have the, you don't have the cheese, the wine, or the... That is what I think of America. Every time I... I in French, we, we pronounce it America. Always a little spit at the end. Do you like that, American? Uh, not far off. I've been to France, and they're kind of like that. So, uh, authenticity. It's part of the game. Okay, but uh, how about an impression of, like, an actual existing person or character? Think of something, maybe. I'm better at those. All right, let's get... Uh, can you do Elmo? Um... <laughs> this is Elmo. Elmo, so happy to see you. There you go. That was a convincing Elmo. Now the fun thing with Elmo and a horror author is that you can say, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can say anything horrifying you like. So uh, why don't you describe uh, a line that you can think of or a sentiment that you can think of from that uh, murderer confession story, but in the voice of Elmo? Okay, let's see. Let's see how clever I can get in the moment. Um, about thirty seconds. <laughs> okay. Are you asleep? Okay, don't turn around now. Uh, oh my, that's an elbow. I don't want ha haunting my dreams or uh, <laughs> or nestling under my bed or under my pillow uh, or inside my pillow. He's stuffed. <laughs> I'm not gonna make you stuffed. <laughs> Hope you guys had some fun with that. Uh, you can guess between uh, Kyle and Torson which which of us you think uh, did that last Elmo quote. Uh, also, I'll never tell. <laughs> he said he says I'll never tell, uh, and neither will Elmo. So uh, we can do impressions here or there. I'm I'm really meager at impressions. I I do a hard smeagle, which is very popular with the ladies. <laughs> Nothing, nothing uh, entices them quite like. Once that's a drink, precious. <laughs> but uh, a drink of coffee, coffee, guys. Um, I'm, the, but, I'm the only one between the two of us who actually drinks. So, yeah, I'm just a caffeine fiend. A caffeine? Hmm. Caffeine, that works. Booyah, wordplay. Booyah. <laughs> Recycling that bad pun. Uh, so we do we do original characters of our own design and from a character that's in a story already as well. That's that's really what narration is: is bringing to life a character who already exists on the page and honoring who they are with an authentic performance, which really means uh, involving some creativity, their intonation, their speed, their volume, their everything about uh, about them, the, the force of their voice versus how. Uh, giving it is um so do you have any character that you listened to in a narration that particularly like you you want to channel that kind of passion or or nuance or anything like that um currently no just because when i the narrators i listen to either on youtube or even like in a couple different podcasts that i listen to you too um 
just had a very pleasant passerby saying, have a good night. Um, but, um, you know, these guys, they, they don't necessarily utilize a lot of the, um, I guess you could say different voice changes and different, uh, accents and things that they could do. They just seem to be strictly doing, um, a straight narration. Occasionally they might break into something that's, you know, switching between voices and characters to kind of make that distinction. Um, the more dramatized narrations like, you know, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, uh, which is a great podcast. It's on YouTube as well as other platforms. Uh, no Sleep Podcast, which you'll hear me mention frequently because they're, they're really great. And uh, they have very talented voice actors that will branch out and use different characters and intonations, accents, voices. Um, but specifically right now, there's no one that I channel directly in terms of voice or accent or whatever. I can tell you from experience that when you voice a scene with more than two characters or even two characters that differ drastically in their in their current mood or their their the force of their delivery it makes you feel a little schizophrenic especially if the line doesn't it starts with dialogue it doesn't start with the tag like this person said and then this person said you have to just catch it from memory or which even as the person who wrote it can be hard uh, or you just uh, go with your best and sometimes use the wrong voice between the two and then you laugh out loud at yourself and you're like oh the flow is broken um, that's, what, that's what that's what editing's for so that's right editing all our mistakes out not on this show all no. the mistakes stay in <laughs> um, so yeah narration is a wide open world I highly recommend anyone who's uh, into it crack open uh, Red Rising. It's like 40-something hours of com of content, uh, which you can get for the same uh, coin to the same dollar account as anything on your uh, monthly Audible thing. Again, Audible, if you want to give me money, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry about it. <laughs> I mean, I could. If you wanted me to cry for it, I would. But uh, in the next segment, we'll move on from narration and we'll break into... Uh, some of our aspirations for future projects. We're talking about future aspirations, career goals, uh, end goals with the writing, with the narration, with the all-around brand. I think that most authors understand that in this year, in the current year, it's basically you're a multimedia company unto yourself because videos videos getting popular people like them uh movies they like them moving pictures uh so if you don't look good on camera sorry look bad on camera like i do and do it anyway that's that's the real goal uh that that's my golden uh egg of advice so uh kyle why don't you give me uh kind of an overview of what you're moving toward what your aspirations are for your writing and multimedia career in general well, I definitely, it's definitely not something that I want to be a hobby. It is something that I want to be a career. And, you know, the beautiful thing about what we just talked about prior is that writing and narration go hand in hand. And if you can make both work for you in a very cohesive way, then uh, you may be, you know, eventually on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. You never know. But um, obviously that's yet to be seen. Don't want to put the cart before the horse. But... 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw out analogies like every yeah. few seconds, so be ready for them. Make it hard for foreigners to understand. I will make it very hard for anyone outside the U.S. to understand this, just because I I like to make people's lives difficult, whether I mean to or not. Um, but no, I definitely want this to be a career, um, like you said, building a brand and. It's why I branched out into horror because I really feel like I can, you know, kind of carve out my own little niche in the genre and the various subgenres. I mean, it is, you got so much to play with there. I mean, people think, you know, horror can be derivative, but at the same time, there's a lot you can do with it because it doesn't have to be blood and guts. It doesn't have to be anything along the lines of the camp and cheesy that we we're talking about with horror flicks. It can be. I mean, I've heard it said before, it, it's only scary if it, it's scarier when it's true or if it could be true. Anything along those lines screws with your head. And so there's so much you can do with the genre. And I really hope to explore the depths of it and make a career out of it at some point. Yeah, as I was, I was, I feel kind of the same way as about, about it as far as career versus hobby. I do enjoy it as a hobby. I feel it's enriching, and I highly encourage uh, my friends to partake of the addiction that is the riding lifestyle. Uh, some refer to it as a gift. Some refer to it as a curse. It can be the same. In, uh, it can be both in the same day, if you can believe it. Uh, I refer to it as a curse because it's almost... Um, thrust upon you as much as it is adopted uh, in, in some ways. I am kind of putting chips down on making this a career. Right now I'm investing a lot of time and a not tiny amount of money in the multimedia empire, doing video, audio, and written word. And like you said, combining the written word and writing is already a natural pairing. Uh, as you, the audience, know, the listening to someone talk and tell you stories out loud it's the way of the future. So uh, we're definitely both digging into that pit. Uh, that makes it sound very attractive. We're digging that grave. Yeah. Um, so I know I kind of, I have a game plan. Do you have a specific game plan going forward or are you kind of taking steps as, as you find them? Uh, right now it's taking the steps just because um, as I, I, we were having a discussion earlier, it's, I, I picked a hell of a time to really get started because I'm in my early 30s, I'm married, uh, I have one child with another on a way and in the process of becoming a homeowner and just life and adulting and all that stuff that people like to make fun of on Facebook and you know Instagram. And yeah, adulting, is, it is hard. And so when you're in the midst of all that but you're also trying to build a career, it's tricky making the time, finding the time. So right now my goal is to, and with you know Torsten's help and that accountability and making sure that you have someone to not just lean on but share with and compare notes with, it helps because you need to have a community. It takes a tribe, it really does. Even if you're kind of flying solo, you still need that tribe. And so it's taking the steps, becoming consistent finally because consistency is my one of my uh, worst enemies and it's trying to get back on track there so to give you a little peek behind the curtains i have a bit of a game plan for for my business my uh media empire if you can if you will if you dare uh which is to one borrow from the people who've done it borrow from the professionals be a second hand learner 
going out there and getting the experience by doing is critical because you need to do, but you can try to reinvent the wheel or you can uh, actually roll down the road on a set of wheels. Uh, I don't need to be uh, bumping along on stone, so I'm gonna try to read some books by the professionals uh, and get our done. Right now I'm reading uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. It's about uh, adding value by putting out great content for your users and hopefully that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, great content. Uh, building a great brand, a relationship, a dialogue. And that's kind of what we're doing here is uh, building a dialogue. So for you, you talked about kind of cooperative stuff, accountability with other writers, um, getting on projects together with others. Obviously in the writing world, we want people to buy our books, but it's not about our book versus the other horror author's book or anything, right? It's like a cooperative, uh, I want them I want the audience to see what you're making and I want them also to see what I'm making. I hope they enjoy it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the fun things about this, I think, just because, I mean, you know, again, gratefully, you and I finally get to meet and talk, have this conversation and begin that professional and personal relationship because they do go hand in hand. It's not, you, you don't want to just like, oh, I'm in this, so you, you know, I can do this for you, you do this for me, give and take. It's you're there for each other, supporting one another. And again, like I said, you really want to be part of a community because one of the most exciting things about this business, if you will, is that you get to connect with other people from different backgrounds who have different writing styles, different perspectives, and it's a lot of fun to really get those perspectives. The people that I've connected with, that I have collaborated with, you know, and been in, in, in touch with. It's amazing just what a little bit of that will do for you and the confidence it gives you. And so it inspires you, it motivates you. You wanna stay connected with these people not because they can do something for you but because they're, they're just like you. Regardless of whether or not you see eye to eye on everything, you're, you're doing this because you love it and that's the most important thing and that's why I've, I've really fallen in love with the people that I've gotten connected with in building these relationships. They're real friendships and not just professional relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And we're at the stage right now, we're at very, very early stages, the infancy perhaps of our careers. Yeah, grassroots indeed. Uh, so as, as these little blades reach towards the sky, each of us one blade of grass, grasshopper, uh, we're we're trying to build credency, uh, or you know, we're trying to build credence and legitimacy in the eyes of our audience uh, by putting out good content. Hopefully, you guys enjoy what we're talking about now. Hopefully, I mean, you can skip a minute ahead at a time, and we'll probably be on another topic because that's uh, the freedom of consuming in the current year. You know, I like to I like to say the current year instead of actually telling you the number of the current year. It makes you sound relevant even years from now. Ha <laughs> ha. Life hack. So uh, uh, let me stop nose laughing into the microphone, blowing out your ears, especially if you listen in your car with the bassy system. And uh, we'll we'll move on from strategy and and the business side of things. We'll talk a little bit about uh, creative vision for a minute. So let's talk about artistic vision for a second, which is to say our goals and what we want to accomplish create creatively that I, I want to specify what we haven't seen the market saturated with. For me, uh, part of that involves using uh, morals that 
that the market may uh, find itself deprived of. We're getting a lot of uh, relativism and a lot of uh, if it feels good, do it uh, kind of morality uh, injected into our our modern lens. And I think it really clouds things up and uh, muddies thinking. I'd be interested in injecting some uh, some reasoned clarity in uh, in the moral thinking of some characters, even if even if and when they fail, just to be able to uh, recognize it and outline it with uh, some sharpness and clarity. So. Uh, that, that's just an example from me. What What's something that you want to accomplish creatively that you uh, think would be a, a fresh injection into the art world? Um, well, kind of piggybacking off what I said earlier is that, just like any genre, I think horror can be especially derivative because there are certain things that have just been done over and over and over again. And... You know, you can borrow from that. You can use what's been used before and you can try to inject new life into it. And people have done it before in film and in, in literature. Um, but I think sometimes we really underestimate just the freshness. Um, well, the fresh inspiration you can find in any normal everyday situation. And that's where I get my most bizarre ideas from. Um, quick, perfect example, and one that I haven't written a story for yet, but it, I honestly think it's gold, uh, real life situation that happened to me. <clears throat> I busted out this old, this leather jacket that I hadn't worn in forever. And I put it on, my wife and I are going out to this kind of dinner event for her work one night. I put the jacket on and as I'm kind of reaching up, there's something on the inside pocket. And I honestly don't know what it is and I I reach in there and I pull out a phone it's not my phone and I have no idea where the hell it came from long story short come to find out I had this jacket at my dad's at a Christmas party like three or four years prior and my jacket looked a lot like the jacket of another friend slash colleague that was at the house that night and so he slipped his phone in my pocket thinking it was his he had no idea what happened to it freaked him out. He was scrambling to find it, asking, does anybody see my phone? And the question was answered four years later. That would make an interesting premise for a story. No idea where I'm going to go with it, but it's one of those things where probably somebody hadn't thought of it before, or at least I like to think so. <clears throat> That's true. That that I can see a lot of directions with that. That would be fun to just... You could write three or four different books on that premise, uh, twisting in different directions. Uh, to get to talk about another vision of mine, one of the things that I, if I can be so bold and uh, full of hubris to to say so, one of the things I excel at is using either insanity or drug use slash abuse to warp a character's perceptions and making that interesting, be it a uh, psychic ability or a uh, hypercognition, something where their brain is faster than ever before, faster than reality even, uh, precognition, cl clairvoyance, uh, all kinds of additional information or filtered information. What I like to do is take the perspective or the perception of a character and warp it, magnify it, extend their, their sight or their vision, their senses, and 
through a combination of of filters where I remove information that might be critical and uh, magnifying lenses where I bring to the forefront certain colors or shades or shadows in what the character is perceiving. And again, from either uh, drugs or insanity or from a mental focus technique or whatever it is, uh, special training, I think that that is a wide open avenue that I want to play with a lot. We went off on a tangent without you while, uh, <laughs> while the uh, podcast recording was paused. And I thought it was so interesting that we had to capture it for you. The basic bones of what we're describing is expanding the smallest detail or glimpse of something you catch and observe as an author and turning that into a story. So the everyday ordinary microcosm explodes into... Uh, what is effectively speculative fiction, where you where you blow it out of proportion and you say, but what if, what if, what if, until it's very entertaining. So uh, you were just started to describe a situation I thought it was really good, wanted to capture that. Why don't, why don't you tell us, uh, recount what you observed and then what that turned into as a story. Um, basically, because, you know, I have, a, I have a four-year-old son's in pre-K and He's in preschool, and so you know one of the things that it's a it's a private preschool, and they're very good with their security measures and everything like that. One of the reasons why we liked it, and one of the things you have to do is sign your child in, sign your child out. Now there have been occasions, not many, um, where I have forgotten to like sign in or out. Now I obviously I still picked up or dropped off my son. I hope so. He he was still in my field of vision and he was still with me. I did not forget nothing along those lines, but it's something that they, they're very nice about, but they want to make sure it's like, look, you forgot to sign them out. So please sign it out just for, you know, for posterity, for legal reasons, etc. The thought occurred to me, it's one of the most simplest of things that like, what if there's a father who, because he's caught up in the busyness of life, it's not that he forgets his child. He remembers his child, drops him off, picks him up but forgets to sign out or sign in. And then imagine one day after so many times of not signing the child in, he goes back to pick up his child. And when he gets there, none of the preschool staff recognize him, know who he is, and more to the point, his child is not there. And he doesn't know what's happened. And so it's this whole insane random thing that happens where that morning he dropped him off and he was sure of it they knew who he was they knew who his son was and then all of a sudden he gets there no son they don't know who he is his son's name is not on record that premise scared the living daylights out of me because i'm a father and i i couldn't imagine what it'd be like if all of a sudden like i couldn't find my son for any reason much as one outlandish as this one that is an excellent premise. I, I like how it turns what's almost like a comedic outrage, like, oh, why do you need me to sign in? You saw me already. But it's really, it's, it is a chain of custody issue where you're showing, you're demonstrating through a signature that indeed the parent did receive the kid and there's actually a trace on paper where you might think, well, if, if you erase the trace on paper, would suddenly no one know? Would suddenly no one recognize me and remember that I came and picked him up? Would he no longer be there? Uh, and if you brought that to fruition, what would that look like? That is quite haunting. Uh, now, I don't even have the benefit of 
having my own children to even measure that against like the heart stopping terror that it must be to even contemplate your child being stolen. Uh, I'm, I'm single and have no kids, ladies. <laughs> Subtle. I, uh, you know, art is about nuance. So I like to, I like to keep it. I mean, you can hit me up if you wanted. Torsten Kipton online. Uh, I'm the only one. Uh, uh, what, what was I saying? Um, writers preferred. Sorry. We're talking about uh, blowing observations out of proportion. I like to play. I like to play a game called What a Character, which is, uh, as I was explaining to you, where you sit and purposely look around you, and the people around you are every one of them an individual human being with all the complexities that you have. Maybe they have fewer voices in their head than we do, but who knows? Maybe they have more. And if we speculated, what? the people have going on in their lives, the specifics, and those tiny human details that you can expand out to whole genres and whole um, realms of behavior and of, of character uh, traits. Uh, that, that's very fun to me. And perhaps we'll play that, perhaps not, but uh, I think the observation and art is really cool. Is the writer's brain an impassable morass, or can we open it up and reveal our sick brains to you? Uh, we're going to we're going to deconstruct some of the ways that we think of the world around us, observe it, and spin it, and uh, insert our own veins into the flesh of the narrative that we are uh, all a part of, like one heaping living organism. Uh, so. We're, we've talked about observing things and, and exploding them into whole narratives. Uh, I've, I've played with you guys a little game on the vlog called What a Character, where I look around and realize that all the people around me are real human beings with characteristics as complex as mine or more. Uh, in fact, there's a woman shouting right over there. I could assume that she has hearing damage from uh, when someone... Uh, held her up in a back alley and fired a gun uh, just past her head. She knows Taekwondo and managed to uh, kick his butt and survived, but she has permanent hearing damage, which is why she's shouting and maybe audible on this very podcast. Uh, so that's, that's an insight into how I'm kind of observing the world and weaving it into stories. Why don't you give us a peek inside your head? How do you think and uh, churn ideas and just come up with stuff uh it's just the randomness of my brain it's it's it, uh, even i'm aware of how bizarre it can be because like just to kind of give you an idea is like i'm some of the writers that i've been uh corresponding with and yourself included and stuff it's it, i do this kind of it's a faux pas, but it's it's with this funny little courtesy where I'm just like, I apologize ahead of time for my twisted imagination. Because as I branched out into horror, I've realized how twisted my imagination really is. Writing about, you know, my current story that I submitted, it's about a budding serial killer who has a weird functioning sense of morality that, you know, is not an actual sense of morality, but it's something that upsets his ambition of wanting to kill people because that's really all he wants to do but um you know that stemmed from 
couple of different things. You know, there's, I'm trying not to kind of go off on a tangent here, but basically like we all know of those horror movies that while they may make us a little curious, we know pretty all, right off the bat we're never watching them because we know that it may scar us so badly for life we might not recover from it and there's certain movies out there that are done that just are sick but the premise themselves can serve as fodder for a story and you know whether it's about a serial killer or something or the other it can it can serve to inspire you even if not directly sort of an indirect form because you know you're never going to watch the movie because you don't want to end up being institutionalized so you take from it what you can and kind of run with it and i've done that i've taken inspiration from movies i've watched stories i've actually read or just things i've heard things kind of passed on to me kind of uh secondhand absolutely a lot of the most terrifying things are terrifying because when they knock you hear the echo inside a hollow space that you've you've abandoned nearby in your mind something you've already recognized in reality gets tapped on and you and you feel it it shakes you uh for example the the evil that haunts the common man could be anyone around you uh it could be your closest family members i remember and i've i've said this before but i'll just wrap this segment up by, by repeating the the anecdote that i had when i was younger i was uh, in middle school and i had a nightmare that one of my friends who was about the age of the kid from the movie the shining uh the kid in the movie the shining was having seizures every time that he contacted this dead spirit that was his best friend and his parents were terrified for him because his kids eyes are rolling back and foam's coming out of his mouth and he's getting near death when i saw that personalized with one of my friends putting that kid's place and he was saying but i like talking to him that kind of thing it was terrifying so yeah that's that uh sometimes it's nightmares sometimes it's just conscious thought but we'll continue talking about the inner workings of our twisted minds i'm going to insert this one slice of the conversation that we had after the fact i'm going to try to put it in the right position in the final podcast and that was a, a short game of what a character and this is how that game goes it's enormous fun to play with friends so what you do is you look around you look around you and in your surroundings there's going to be people best to play in a crowded public area where it's not too quiet and people aren't hearing you uh, make up funny fiction but what you do is you grab you grab a hold of one person and you either hit on one detail and instead of going into generalities or stereotypes you go into specifics and you make up a very specific detail or story about their life so behind Kyle about 30 feet away sitting in front of the winery was a man in a salmon collared shirt his arm was around a woman and they were both sitting on a bench the story that I made up was that this man in particular, while he was in a happy relationship, they were recouping from a, uh, a oddity, a bump in the road, where he started receiving cryptic and disturbing messages from a stalker. Kyle and I had just been talking about stalkers and their place in horror fiction, so I imagined that this man, we'll, we'll call him Salmon, because his shirt was Salmon. Salmon had a co-worker who did not like him very much, 
so when Salmon left his computer logged into his email, this coworker took the opportunity to use his email address and get an uh, get on Tinder. He stopped the notifications from the email and he continued conversations on Tinder, entertaining some different people and convincing them that this coworker, who he knew all these intimate personal details about because he'd worked with them so long, was interested in, in many of them. So he meant to uh, kind of throw him to a confusing uh, uh, trap, a little, little prank, but it got out of hand when one of them turned out to be a crazy, kind of obsessed stalker. But he fed into this because Salmon didn't rebrew the pot of coffee when he drank the last cup. So that kind of tied the whole coffee shop into things. And Salmon really got his life ruined when this stalker contacted him with creepy handwritten notes that were just the tail end of a conversation that he and his wife had no clue about. So now he has to deal with that whole crazy situation with someone who thinks they've been in a textual relationship for weeks, maybe even months. And then Kyle came up with the story, uh, glasses wear, and uh, therefore having corrected vision, noticed that she was actually very young. She was taking on that trend of having uh, dyed her hair white or silver. So he made up a story that she was actually there on a blind date, but she, she has embodied this haunting persona for hundreds of years. She's actually very, very old, but looks very young in the face because she was put on a date there when the world, when California's oldest winery, which was actually what we were in front of, it's a historic mark, uh, was first around. So what we were seeing was the spirit of a woman who'd been sitting there for centuries, waiting, ageless, except for in the light of the full moon, where her true age is actually revealed. So yeah, that's a fun little game and a little insight into how our minds perceive the world around us and can weave stories out of pretty much anything or anyone. Once again, we've wandered onto a, a very interesting path off the mic. So I wanted to share with you uh, what we arrived at, which was basically that observation isn't only out in the outside world or in our relationships. It can even be an introspective observation, an observation of your own heart or spirit or, or personal failings that you can... Uh, expand into a narrative. So you're just telling a really interesting uh, thing on that. I wanted to get your your story and how you arrived there from just looking inward. Um, yeah, we're kind of uh, touching on the topic of spirituality and stuff. In the in the case of Torson and myself, uh, him and I um, both have a same worldview, which is essentially a biblical worldview. Um, you know. It's not a path. We always walk, you know, we definitely don't walk it perfectly. Sometimes we're not walking it very well at all. And I was kind of going on about my own experiences with my own walk with God and things like that. And um, a, a story idea occurred to me because 
to kind of again give you a, a somewhat abbreviated version um you know the bible talks about spiritual death where how if you are living apart from god you are spiritually dead and regardless of which philosophical or religious you know thing you subscribe to this is just an aspect of that belief system and i thought to myself because i remember i was working one day and i these like flies were landing on me and not wanting to get off and i thought to myself what if somebody who claimed to be living that life and yet hypocritically behind closed doors they were doing the very things that they preached against or were not for uh, what if that spiritual death manifested itself physically in a way they couldn't hide from those who could perceive it? You know, those who couldn't, wouldn't see it, wouldn't notice it, but those who who had the clarity of mind and heart would be able to see it, and that person would be forced to deal with it in those circumstances. So it's kind of when it, you know, as you said, introspective, and it, it it related to my own situation where my spiritual life was not what it should have been. And it turned into this story that kind of horrified me because I'm thinking, what if that happened? And so it developed into that. If I can, if I can paint some prose on that, what you're talking about is an inward rottenness that manifests as an outward decay where you physically, the flies are actually attracted to you because you're now a foul, rotting thing outwardly just as you are inwardly. Just think about that. Conceive of if what you... What if your honeyed words smelled like the stench of death? What if everything that you said that was false and insincere, uh, unknowingly sarcastic, or, or in other words, you were being hypocritical, you were saying one thing and you mean another, what if it physically reeked and the person in front of you could tell? If your inward rottenness manifested outwardly, how would that shape you? How would how would you look? And as you know, how would I look? Is how I, I think that's the real horror of it, right? We're we're turning ourselves inside out in that situation, and it's a sense of sense of body horror in that fashion. Uh, you know, people of that share our faith are often perceived as self righteous, where in reality, if if we do hold true to the faith, then we understand that we are we are inherently without righteousness and that we have to get that from someone else which is jesus christ uh so if if there's any hatred toward evil or sin or sinful thought or behavior on my part it's because i i hate most most what i have to live with which is my inward rottenness the rottenness in my bones is most vitriolic to me that's that's the poison, the stench that churns my stomach the worst is what I see reflected uh, in, in my own wrongdoing, in, either inwardly and invisible to the outward or outwardly and invisible to certain parties because I can be crass to some people or uh, rude or vitriolic or uh, speak evil to some people and hide it from the others. Well, we've come to the end of the conversation, which means it's time for feel good sentiments and shameless plugs, uh, to, to put it lightly. So as you all know, uh, we've been interviewing with Kyle D. Garrett. You can subscribe to him on all kinds of social media platforms. He is also Creepy Keeley. 
Uh, he does have a book out, and he's going to have more in the future. So I recommend you check those things out. Uh, is there any other way in, in particular that they can find you online? Um, like, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on um I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm more active on Creepy Kile lately, as it were. I'm trying to make sure that I balance out all the different platforms. I'm Kyle D. Garrett, author and narrator on Facebook. That is my official page, so you can look for me there. Um, on Instagram, I'm Kyle underscore D underscore Garrett. Kyle D. Garrett on Instagram. And just Kyle D. Garrett on Twitter. So trying to remain active on those platforms. Um, if you are looking for me on Amazon, you will find a book I published about two years ago. Um, it may clash with the current genre that I'm stepping into because when I first started, I was doing kind of young adult Christian fiction. And it's not as if I abandoned that or abandoned the message or the the overall you know um, faith that it promotes in the book. It just once again got in touch with those roots again and so I am branching out in a different direction but if you do want to check that book out it's called Coma California it's available on Amazon uh, Barnes & Noble iTunes bookstore etc so you can check that out if you like um, but yeah you can find me in all those places again subscribe to me on YouTube Creepy Kile um, Creepy spelled with a K and Kile is spelled K-E-E-L-A-Y uh, you can find me by that same moniker on Instagram, Twitter, even Snapchat. I might actually use that periodically. All right, very good. Uh, as you guys all know, we're all about adding value. We are producing free content, uh, good content, quality uh, edited content, not like today's, which is uh, completely unedited and raw. Hope you enjoyed that aspect of it. I'm going to include... Uh, one more segment after this, just recapping something that really got corrupted uh, when we were trying to do it. But it'll be it'll be a fun listen, and then I'll tune you out, uh, or I will uh, tune out with one last plug for the rest of the Narrative Audio Network. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for that last tasty tidbit of a story before we tune out. I'm going to tie a bow in the episode by reminding you that there's more awesome free content out there on the Narrative Audio Network. Be Afraid is just one of the channels. We had a great time interviewing Kyle. I've done interviews before with Eric, I believe, and Philip. Eric is on the show Shady. Shady is a true crime podcast on the Narrative Audio Network. I highly recommend you check it out. There's a lot of making fun of the criminals or... Uh, exploring the strange true crimes at the criminal's expense. And if you want to uh, tune in for quality coffee, and I feature on this channel sometimes, is the Specialty Coffee Talk podcast. In fact, their latest episode is a really cool interview with an expert in the coffee field. If you want to hang out with uh, the guys talking high-quality coffee in a low-to-earth, just super approachable way that I highly recommend you check out Specialty Coffee Talk. If you want more audio content, we talked about narration today and audiobooks, then Audiobook Review is also on the Narrative Audio Network. Eric runs that and he's listened to more audiobooks than anyone reasonably could in probably two lifetimes. His ears are keen at this point. Today I recorded an episode of the show new podcast dude and in the interest of uh, uploading 
raw, unedited, low-quality content, which is kind of the premise of that banter show, it's just a super casual, relaxing hangout with a couple guys that like to make jokes and talk about uh, what they're up to creatively and otherwise. Uh, yeah, I I guess I can recommend my own podcast. New, new podcast, dude. It's a new podcast. And... I aim to be the man with the most podcasts in the whole world. So if you want to help me accomplish that dream, tune in. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for listening in. Hope you enjoy the free content on Narrative Audio Network. Commercial free, as of yet. Just self-sponsored, self-promoting. Have a great rest of your night and a creative day.